For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was once taught that these stories of Jesus are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Did you learn that too? Yeah? The problem is that it's often hard to kind of suss out the the meaning of these earthly stories, if not even impossible. There's different ways to go about this. Of course, you could read it like a, a moral tale, like an Aesop fable. So what's the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us? Or you could try to read it as a radical way of living in the world, living like that outrageous uh, master and with his vineyard and just paying everybody the same wage. Does it really offer to us lessons for our business or economics or trade union practices or even any kind of practical life lessons? I suppose if we wanted to, we could try to draw out some conclusions from Jesus' story on that level. And of course, many have and have tried to apply a parable or a story like today as an earthly story, a heavenly meaning applied to an earthly story. Of course, then that would mean, or it could be the other way around, applying it as describing heaven, but in terms of this life. That means that heaven, of course, is the communist commune, a vineyard where everybody works well, whatever they are given to work, but are paid equally and treated equally with a distribution of wealth, I suppose. Slaves of benevolent owner and master. But it'll be, it'll be better than any of our attempts to be a communist commune here on earth, of course. <laughs> of course, by heavenly meaning, I don't think that whoever coined the phrase meant just heaven, eternal heaven, but rather maybe it meant something more like spiritual. These stories are describing a spiritual reality that transcends the earthly context. But it has to be described in terms of earthly, well, words and context so that we understand the heavenly. So it's practically about things we all understand and encounter daily. But spiritually, describing a higher reality that we can then superimpose upon the lower earthly things. Of course, that's not much better, really. Trying to create heaven on earth, as I said, Well, you can only do that by ignoring the practical realities of physical life. You can't pay all your workers the same amount. You know what would happen. Some of you, of course, have businesses, and you know what would happen uh, amongst your workers if you did that. This is every attempt at a utopian community. People, communities, or congregations trying to live as if property and money and authority and power don't matter at all. Well, of course they do. So what's the problem with this statement about earthly stories with a heavenly or spiritual meaning? Is that it often divorces the two lives that we're given to live at the same time, the physical and the spiritual. And this has led us down all sorts of uh, terrible paths. We think that what we do in our body doesn't affect what we believe in spirit. Or we think that the earthly realities that we have operate outside of any kind of spiritual reality, that God's Word doesn't pertain to the day-to-day. So we think that what Jesus is describing today can't possibly apply to the day-and-day of our life because it's so outrageous and absurd. So it has to be about some future reality that we can't understand. Or maybe we think that Jesus just doesn't understand our lives in this world. 
when he tries to impose on us these big ideas and bold metaphysical truths, ideas of grace and mercy and kindness and love and generosity and charity. But that's not true either. As we've been hearing since, really, Christmas time, the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ changes all that. The heavenly and the spiritual are one in the person of Jesus, true God and true man. Because the Son of God took on human flesh, there's nothing fleshy that God doesn't understand intimately. Even the most basic things, business, work, economics, politics, or the basic things of of our hearts, our cravings, our desires, and our temptations. There's really no aspect of human existence of life that Jesus doesn't understand and know intimately in the same way that we do. Again, be it family, business, justice, politics, or economics. Even so, even more so, because Jesus is God and man, all things heavenly and earthly, body and spirit, are subject to him and governed by his word. Our whole life and breath and meaning are centered in Christ and what he tells us about himself and about us. That is to say, all human existence for the Christian is ruled by Jesus. The word of Jesus tells us the meaning of everything. When we try to separate our bodily life from the spiritual reality, that's when things go off the rails, be it in our family or in our congregation or in our community. Maybe the easiest example I can give you, maybe even the biggest example of this kind of disconnect between the life that you have here in Christ in the church and then your daily life is the way that you already today confess your sins to God in divine service. You receive the word of absolution into your ears and you will continue to receive that absolution here in the word preached and in the sacrament of the altar. But then in turn, you go about your life each day refusing to confess your sins to one another and forgive each other be it your spouse, children, a fellow Christian here in the pew or outside, or even your pastor, or maybe the hardest is to forgive your civil rulers, the politicians. You'll promise even that, though, in a few minutes in the Lord's Prayer, in that petition, when you say you're going to forgive those who trespass against you, just as Jesus has forgiven you. That's what you say. But this spiritual meaning gets left at the door on the way out neglecting the earthly story of your life. So maybe we should try to fix that shorthand statement, um, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning this way. Try Try it on for size. Earthly stories with a spiritual meaning that apply to our earthly story. It's a little longer and probably not as memorable, I guess. (laughs) But you get the point. Let's try it on for size today with the gospel. So we heard this earthly story about a master who goes about his daily work hiring workers for his vineyard. There's a harvest, it must be done. And so they work variously uh, from the 12th hour and the 9th hour, the 6th hour, the 3rd hour, even coming in in the the final hour, just one hour that day. So much work to be done, the master just keeps sending out his foreman to hire more. Of course, the absurd thing in the story is that the master actually has his foreman pay them all equally a day's wage. That denarius, that's what that is, a day's wage coin. 
Naturally, of course, earthly story, we can understand. Those who worked in the heat of the day, who worked all day in that vineyard, were disgruntled. But, of course, the master does what he wants, he says. He even chastises them with an enigmatic statement that, well, most English translators don't even bother to try to translate literally. It goes like this. Is your eye bad because I am good? That's what the master says. Is your eye bad because I am good? And that's the end of the story. As far as earthly stories go, it doesn't really much make sense. You can't really apply it directly, can you, to your day-to-day existence? To be a crazy boss who shows such extreme favoritism to those, really, the lazy ones who had been idle all day except for that last hour. And being generous then with those who don't deserve it. So generous that they get the same pay as everybody else. I suppose those of you who have a farm or a business can hear all the ways that this will go sideways with the revolt of the workers maybe or even getting a call from the EEOC or the IRS. So you can't just apply an earthly story directly to your earthly life, of course. But the the point is, is to do it through the spiritual. And in this case, Jesus, of course, tells you right at the beginning that the kingdom of heaven is the same as. Homoia is the word of homoius. The kingdom of heaven is the same or is like. He's saying that what the story that he's telling is describing your life with him, your life with Christ. That is your whole life with Christ, body and spirit. So we are given to live in this world in the way that Jesus gave us there in that story, not of the world. Our lives lived, are now lived under the meaning, understanding that story. We are given then to understand everything here in this church and everything in our life according to the truth revealed in that crazy earthly story. Well, of course, you know the higher spiritual meaning. You've probably heard it preached before. That God cares for all people, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, according to his good and gracious will. He chooses to bring into his vineyard people at all manners at times of life whether in baptism at birth, right after birth, or later in life, even on their own deathbed. That's according to his good and gracious will. And how good and gracious is it? That's not comprehensible to our flesh because we don't operate that way. We think about merit and work, deserving money and all that. But the way that God operates is good. Of course, the Father cares for all creation this way preserving and protecting body and livelihood for all people, even for all animals and birds and fish, even the sun, the moon, the stars, all of it under God's providential care or for the sake of everyone, whether they know it or thank him for it. But even more so, we learn of the grace of God in his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross to redeem us sinners, sinners from every nation, language, and tongue even redeeming the whole cosmos, the world. This is his good and gracious gift for all those who would receive him, all those whom he has given the right to be called children of God in baptism. To the story, it really doesn't matter when they come into the church and how much work they've done for Jesus, so to speak. If they came to be born again shortly after their earthly birth or whether it came in the twilight of their days. It doesn't matter how much labor they've given to the service of Christ in his church 
that is his vineyard, of course, or whether they just showed up today for the first time and get the whole day's wage, the whole gift of God in Christ Jesus. The fruits of Christ's laborious suffering is what they receive, his laborious suffering and death for them, full and free. It's not fair, but of course that's good. And because we would all be standing, standing idly outside the vineyard unless we were called, gathered, enlightened, and sanctified, God, the Holy Spirit, in his grace, brings into the kingdom of the Son you and all to receive and believe his gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Maybe here it's helpful to bring in another scripture and impose it on this one too. It turns out that Jesus describes himself as the vine in the vineyard, and then the Spirit has grafted you onto that vine as branches. That's the way to understand the work of the vineyard. We don't even really have to work, so to speak, because the branches are grafted onto a good vine. And as branches grafted on a good vine, you bear good fruit. The harvest is in you. It's all gifts from top to bottom. Gifts from a loving, generous, gracious God. That's the spiritual meaning, I suppose, of this earthly story, but it does apply then to your daily life. You can actually approach everything that you have in your life, be it your family, your congregation, this congregation, or your community or world, with faith that God is good and gracious, always preserving your body and life. And you can bring all things in your life subject then to the word of Christ, believing again that he has redeemed you, saved you, and thus all your fears, anxieties, and worries can be laid on him, and he responds, I love you, I forgive you, you are God's child. That being true and believing that, you can in turn then, by the Spirit, turn to your neighbor in love, loving them in body, soul, and spirit without fear or without expectation of return, laboring for their salvation as Christ gives you to do, knowing it's good, God's good and gracious will that they be preserved too in body, but ultimately that they too be brought into the vineyard, even if it's the 11th hour, and to receive the gift of the resurrected life. May God give us to live a life in his son Jesus and to work in his vineyard with cheerful and joyful spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.